0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 6, verse 27 through 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either.
1: So we are in Luke 6, and this morning is kind of a part two of last week as we started the Beatitudes and we talked about poverty of life. And this morning we're just thinking about the continuation of that as Jesus is talking about loving our enemies. And as we even hear that passage, I hope there is a response from you. Um, Robert said it well earlier. This is difficult. This is a difficult passage. R.C. Sproul said it's one of the most difficult passages in the Gospel of Luke. Ligon Duncan said Jesus has gone from preaching to meddling. Your toes are about to be stepped on. That's what he said. Tim Keller said when Jesus says love your, you think he's gonna say neighbor or family or brother But he says, love your enemies. And what Jesus is doing is taking the law of love and raising it up. And saying, law is more than you think it is. Love is more than you think it is. He's calling us to love like God and not like the world. But you see, the world responds according to worldly standards. And the worldly standard is, if someone doesn't love you, then you don't have to love them. But Jesus teaches a different type of love. The love of God. This is kingdom love. This is Jesus' love. And it's different. There's three things I want to point out from the passage first the difference between disciples and sinners, second, the power of love, and then third, the way to love, how to love our enemies. First of all, just notice that Jesus makes a distinction here between sinners and disciples, or sinners and his children. He's helping the disciples understand who they truly are. It's important to note that he is, again, pushing in on their identity, who they really are. Now you may say, well, I think I'm a sinner. And you're right. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But those of us who are Christians, those of us who are saved from sin, this is no longer our identity. In fact, Jesus says that we are now children. We're now his people who have received grace from him which is different. We were sinners, that was our core identity, but it is no longer. Paul in his writings will say to the saints of the church in Galatia, to the saints of the church in Ephesus. He's not saying sinners, he's saying saints, and Jesus is doing the same here as he's identifying and distinguishing between sinners and disciples sinners are the ones who are still destitute or poor of the grace of God. The saints or the children are the ones who have received the grace of God. We could also say corporately that there's those who are in covenant with God, part of the church, part of his people, and then those who are outside of the church, outside of the covenant people of God. And so... What do sinners do? How do they respond to things? Well, sinners are going to sin. They're going to respond to evil with evil. They're not going to do good to someone who's not doing good to them. Sinners are in it for themselves only. To be good to those who are good to them, to repay evil for the ones who repay evil to them. Sinners are living for this world only and not for the world after, not for heaven. Last week, we talked about this idea of being poor in spirit or poor uh, as a person. Poverty of life is what I called it. And it is the idea of, of having nothing. But when we're completely empty before God, We can come to him, and he will fill us up with his riches. And Jesus says this is the blessed life. These are the people who are blessed. On the other hand, he says the cursed life, or the the life that he says woe, warning of, are the people who think they're full, but they're really empty. This is just a continuation of that. Jesus is saying there's disciples, there's those who are blessed, and then there's those who are cursed, or he says that he was sad for. You see, as Christians, we've been filled back up with the riches of Jesus. He's given us everything in him, but without Jesus, we don't have the resources, and sinners don't have the resources to respond, to do good, to love people that don't love them, Without Jesus, our account is at zero or even minus. If we think accounting here, right? It's insufficient funds. You ever go to a restaurant and hand them your debit card, and then the waiter comes back and says, declined, insufficient funds. That's the feeling here it's someone who's trying to do good to another, but they don't have it within them, they're not able to. Sinners are going to watch out for themselves alone. But Jesus is saying we have something else as his people. We have something else as his children. So see the distinction here between sinners and disciples. Also, secondly, notice the power here is the power to love. Jesus points out several things at the end of the passage here to say that this is where the power source or the resources for us as his people are found. Look at verses 35 and 36 of Luke 6. And notice that we can't love enemies alone without Jesus, but with him the second part of 35 says that we can. He says, and your reward will be great. And what reward is he talking about here? He's talking about our heavenly reward. That, that we are already citizens of heaven. This is the already but the not yet, right? That our true home is not here. Our true home as God's people Is ahead of us in heaven. And this is the way we live. This is the way we love. This is the way we serve others. Is to think this is temporary for us. But something is coming ahead of us. And so we can give, bless, serve, pray with heaven in mind. Because this is who we are and this is where we're going. Also, notice that he says this is a great reward. There's something really powerful about the reward of heaven. There's something really amazing and beautiful about this heavenly reward that we will receive because it's abundant and it's rich. If you've ever walked into a house or a mansion, gone to Biltmore or something, and just seen riches and abundance, that's the picture I hope that you have of your heavenly home. That, that your name is there. Tim Keller would say that we are legally citizens right now of heaven. This is who we truly are, and this is where we're truly going. And that's where our reward will be, and it will be a great, abundant reward. Also notice he goes on to say, and you will be sons of the Most High, Again, Jesus pressing on our identity here, that we are not of this world, but we are sons and daughters, this Greek word adelphoi, which means we are children, children with privileges, children with rights. I remember when I was working with RUF and we would have students over to our house and we would invite them over for dinner well, at my house, when my boys were younger, they had certain places that they sat at the table. And we would have a student over, and the student would sit in their seat. And one of my boys would walk in and say, you got to get up. That's my seat. <laughs> I'm a child. I'm a, I'm a son. I have rights and privileges in this home. Now, they wouldn't say that, but that was their seat. This is what Jesus is saying about us we have a seat and no one can take it away from us this is who we are and we don't have to prove it we don't have to earn it it's given to us because of the grace of Jesus this is how great he is that he can do this for us we are right now Children of God, this intention here of this passage, it says you will be sons of the Most High. This, this is the idea that we are now, and we will be even more. We have the privileges currently, and they will get better as we go. He goes on here to say, For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Now, what I want you to see is to compare that with loving enemies, to realize the only way that we'll ever love an enemy, we'll ever love someone who doesn't love us, we'll ever be good to someone who's not good to us, is to know that we were treated with great love while we were ungrateful and evil towards God. You see, the only way that we can show mercy to someone else is to know the greatness of the mercy that God has given to us. We will never love people that don't love us if we don't know the love of God for us first. We don't have the resources. We don't have the ability. But we can be merciful because of the mercy of God. That we were ungrateful, that we were evil, and he was kind to us and continues to be kind to us. Jesus will later tell the story of the good Samaritan and talk about someone who was an enemy of another, and yet he pulled over and loved him. And you probably know but Samaritans and Jews were enemies. And the Jewish man was on the side of the road, beaten up. And had been robbed and an enemy of his pulled over and helped him took care of them took him to get better care paid for everything and told the guy who was taking care of him, I'll be back and put that on my bill this is the picture of loving an enemy and what Jesus is saying is that's mercy That's what it means to to have mercy given to you. That's what it means to show mercy to someone else. To do that to someone and then to know that you're going to get nothing back. And and that's the way God treats us. He's not doing these things to us so that we will do something then for him. He's doing this goodness and mercy and, and forgiveness for us because he loves us. And he loves us because he loves us. This is real mercy. Notice he goes on here be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. I I love that Jesus went from most high and God to the end of the passage, Father. He's saying this is a good, perfect Father. None of us have had a perfect father here on earth. <laughs> but we do have a perfect heavenly father who's perfectly kind, who's perfectly merciful. And that's where the resources are found. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit by saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. that this is the way we love enemies. We continue to come back to the mercy of God. If we treat people the way that that they should be treated, we will never understand the mercy of God. That's what mercy is, is treating someone else the way they should not be treated. This is what God is calling us to as his people, and he's giving us this opportunity to understand real love. And so I encourage you this morning to meditate on this mercy to continue to come back to the great mercy of God. And a couple of passages to meditate on. 1 Kings 3.6 talks about how great the mercy of God is. Psalm 86 talks about how God's mercy is plenteous. Luke 1 talks about the tenderness of God's mercy. 1 Peter 3 talks about the abundance of God's mercy. And we did it this morning in our call to worship. Psalm 103 talks about the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting and how much his mercy is. And so continue to come back to this. This is where the power, this is where the resources to love those who don't love you is found. I hope you know who Huey Lewis is. And if you don't know who Huey Lewis is, then do yourself a favor when you get home today and look up Huey Lewis And listen to some of his music. You might even recognize it from the movie Back to the Future. But one of the best Huey Lewis songs is The Power of Love. Now, as much as I like Huey Lewis, he got it wrong. Huey Lewis said, they say all in love is fair. Yeah, but you don't care. But you know what to do. When it gets a hold of you, with a little help from above, you can feel the power of love. it's not a little help from above it's all help from above we cannot love our enemies but with God we can with his complete assistance his complete power we can and that's where I want to go with this last point is to say this is how we can practically and and even ethically love our enemies. Look at verse 28. Jesus says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And then verse 29. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, Do not withhold your tunic either. I want to point out several things. First of all, is just to understand what he means by when you get struck on one cheek to turn the cheek so they can strike you again. This is not physical abuse. This is a cultural reference here. And what he's saying is, is turn the cheek. This meant that someone was going to hit you on the face. And it's more of just a slap. You might have seen this in the movie where they might bring out a glove and pop somebody with it it's a sign of disrespect it's someone insulting another person and what Jesus is saying is when someone insults you for me let them do it again (laughs) turn the other cheek if someone's taking from you because of me let them take more if they want something from you because you're on my team Let them have it. Jesus is not saying that you can't protect yourself. He's saying you have every right to protect yourself. Jesus turned over the tables. He got really frustrated in the temple because they were disrespecting his father's house. Jesus also taught justice. And he taught mercy. And so this idea of completely being passive, that this is a call to passivity, is not correct. John Calvin was really helpful. He said, when anyone has it in his power to protect himself and his property from injury without exercising revenge, the words of Christ do not prevent him from turning aside gently and inoffensively to avoid the threatened attack. This idea that you have to completely be passive as a Christian because of this verse is wrong. It does, however, tell us that we will be insulted, we will be hurt, we will be offended because we're Christians. And Jesus is saying when that happens you're actually doing the right thing. You're on the right track. Paul's also very helpful in Romans 12 when he says do not repay evil for evil. In other words, don't respond to the world the way the world responds to you. We as Christians should look differently. Because again, we have the mercy of God. We have all this riches, all the riches of God. So we can respond richly. We can respond and love as Jesus loves, as he taught us to love. We will all have enemies. We'll have people who don't like us. R.C. Sproul said about this, that it doesn't mean that you have to have warm fuzzies for all of your enemies. But what it does mean is that you respond to them with respect and honor and love. It doesn't have to be an affection. It really is a call to love and to look differently. I think 1 Corinthians 13 is helpful here as well. Now, we usually hear this passage read during a wedding or uh, something that feels somewhat romantic. But I want to read it to you, and I want you to think about enemies. I want to read it to you, and I want you to think about someone who has hurt you. And I want you to hear the power of love. Love is patient and kind Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And love will never fail. Y'all, you have that. You have that love. And you can show it to other people. You can utilize it. And the more you do, the more you'll understand the love of God for you. Because you'll realize this person does not deserve for me to treat them this way. Exactly. And neither do we. And God continues to come and love us like this. A few practical things and then we'll wrap up. Number one, keep coming back to this. When you feel insulted, when you feel disrespected, when you feel like somebody has treated you very unfairly, especially because of Christ, come back to this, the true power, the true resources, because it's really easy to forget, and it's especially easy to forget in the moment when you feel that, when you feel disrespected. Secondly, pray for your enemies. Jesus is very clear here to pray for those who hurt you because prayer changes everything. It changes you, changes them, and it changes the situation. Continue to pray and watch the power of prayer sweep over the situation. Also, number three, learn deeper love by loving your enemies. The more you love people who don't love you, then the the love that you have for those who you do love will become more powerful. The more you love enemies, the more you'll love your family. You'll love your friends. You'll love your church community. You'll see the power of love. The more you don't love those who don't love you, the smaller your love will get. You'll struggle even to love those that do love you. Love spills over into all of our relationships when we love enemies. Number four, and I stole this from Dr. John Piper, be a conduit of love, not a cul-de-sac. Be someone who is being loved and therefore you're loving others. Loving, being a conduit, a resource, an instrument of love, instead of a cul-de-sac. <laughs> Meaning that love comes to you and it stops with you. And you really don't take it to other people. Be a conduit of love. Watch Jesus love people through you. And then fifthly and finally, be, understand the bigger picture of a loving community. That we as Redeemer, the more we grow in this, the more we love people that don't love us, the more the light of the gospel will go to our community. Imagine if all of us were putting this into practice today, individually and corporately. We're really loving people that don't love us. We're being good to those who don't, are not good to us. It would be something really different. And light of the gospel goes and starts to push back the darkness in our neighborhoods, at our work, in our community. And so, see the bigger picture here and know that this is the call of Jesus. Let's learn to love. Let's learn to love more. Let's actually learn to love those that don't love us. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that your love is way more than we know. Thank you that your love is strong and powerful and big. And we thank you that you have loved us first. I pray for those this morning who are struggling to love, especially those who have been hurt and insulted and even persecuted for you. Lord, I pray that you would help them and give them the grace and faith to see the power of your love for them and for others. Thank you for this good word. I pray it would sink deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.